the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Anything on your financial mind, bring it up. Bring it at me. Drop me an email. Call the show. Email rob at robblackshow.com. Call 800-516-1220. Coming up, i got a big event coming up in San Rafael in Marin. It's the only event I do in Marin this year, and it's second to last event of the year overall. It's called Retirement Wealth Planning. You can sign up for the event at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. It's all about retirement, Social Security, outliving your savings, low interest rate environment, Federal Reserve, picking stocks, how to put together kind of an action plan that will give you some financial freedom, a little estate planning thrown in. It's a, a potpourri. It's a hodgepodge. It's, it's a lot of stuff going on. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton to talk a little bit more about this. Mr. Burton, how are you? Doing well. Good, good. Um, in terms of wealth management and retirement planning, which is kind of the working title of this event, if you have the type of wealth that's going to get you through retirement plus leave a legacy, I think we're talking heirs here or maybe uh, donating a big chunk of change to a university. How is planning different than just obviously dying with nothing left? Well, th- a lot of it has to do with tax planning. So when you're going through a basic retirement plan where it shows that, okay, you've got enough liquid assets to get you through age 100 in your retirement plan. In retirement planning, you look at making sure that your taxes are low throughout retirement. Currently, when people are working and making a lot of money, it's how do I pay the least amount of taxes this year? And you're always focused on the current year. Retirement planning is focused on through you know the next 35 years. But it's... Okay run a financial plan and you see that, okay, I'm, I'm leaving a significant amount of assets to my heirs or my favorite charity, taxes become a family planning issue. So you start to go through the process of saying, all right, if this is the amount that I'm going to leave, who do I want to leave it to and what are the best, best assets to leave? Um, you do things like, all right, should I draw down my IRA and spend it at my tax bracket because I'm able to 
achieve a lower tax bracket because both of my children are working and making a high income. And if I leave my IRA to them, they're going to pay taxes at 10, 20% more than I will. So taxes become a real family planning issue. And you look at saying, okay, if I've got a certain amount of money that's going to go to charity, the best assets to leave charity are retirement accounts because they'll never pay taxes on it. So in other words, I got to put away money pre-tax, get a deduction, and leave it to my favorite charity and nobody ever has to pay taxes on it if it's a qualified charity. Whereas if you leave individual stocks, mutual funds, or real estate to kids, they'll get a step up in basis and they'll be able to sell it. So you also look at doing things like uh, aggressive Roth conversions and not, you know, not filling out the paperwork in an angry way, but I mean, just going through the process of going, doing more conversions than what I typically recommend between retirement and age 69, because you're trying to leave a legacy. What a great way to leave a legacy to a grandkid by leaving them a Roth IRA, which they can enroll into an inherited Roth IRA and have tax-free income for the rest of their lives. Um, and then you really go through that process of, okay, you've got to set up the estate plan to match the financial plan and the investment plan, and then you have to update your beneficiaries, Rob. That's one of the biggest things that people mess up. They go pay all this money to an attorney to do a really nice estate plan, and the attorney gives them instructions on how to change their beneficiaries, and then they fail to do it time and time again. So you really have to pay attention to that as well. Fascinating stuff. I like the uh, aggressive Roth conversion. <laughs> Filling out paperwork <laughs> in all caps. Right. That's what came Exc- to mind. Exclamation points everywhere. Right. So, um, so what's the number that you should start thinking about this? How much wealth is enough where you start thinking estate planning or beneficiaries and charities and things along those lines? Well, so the the number idea, and I remember the commercials that used to be run on, what's your retirement number? And it's such a flawed way to plan because the number in terms of an amount that you have saved up to determine whether or not you're wealthy is totally false because Number one, it, it depends on timing in the market. I mean, what was your number in 2007 versus 2009? What did that number become? It became a lot less if you were invested too aggressively to be in retirement. Um, it also depends on your expenses because you might have a, 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 you know, a large amount saved up, but your expenses are off the charts. You're uh, living still well beyond the amount that you've saved up because you're used to high income and a high lifestyle and you really haven't done the math. So it depends on timing, depends on your expenses. If you have enough and if you get to that point where, all right, I'm, I'm investing somewhat conservatively or, or somewhat not conservatively necessarily, but the way that you should be in retirement, you can run simulations called Monte Carlo simulations and get a success rate based on different uh, rates of return and different patterns of return, I guess you could say, in retirement. So you could run simulations to make sure that Hey, yeah, you've got a 90% success rate. But I tell you what, if you're comfortable, if you're in retirement right now and you're living off of less than the dividends and interest that your portfolio's created or less than the income that your real estate's giving you right now, and then you run a projection assuming that there's going to be inflation and you're still okay, and you have a plan for long-term care if something happens, that's when you're wealthy. That's when you're probably leaving a pretty good chunk of change to your kids, grandkids, or your favorite charity. Which is a good problem to have, yeah. in my opinion. Yep. So, I don't know. It's uh, I think as 
you get older, you do want to, I'm not going to say do nice things, but be, kind of be an enabler of positive. And uh, this is kind of what we're talking about here. So let's talk about wealthy people. Um, we don't want to ever think about being feeble, of wearing diapers, of someone figuring out how many drugs we need. Like my mom's in some you know, long-term care at this point in time. And the best part about it is she has nurses who say, okay, these are the you know, 14 pills you take today. She wasn't able to do that on her own. At what point do we go with long-term care insurance or self-insurance? Because my mom never did that. She's living off her savings now. Yeah, it's um, so whether or not you self-insure or buy long-term care insurance, first of all, when you're wealthy, you can review all the options out there. So you can look at traditional long-term care insurance. And even if you can afford to self-insure, I've seen so many people in my career um, in the last 23 years, especially early on when I started with my grandfather and his clients were all in their you know late 80s, um, that people went into a situation where they're incapacitated, they're not making their own decisions, and then their heirs start making decisions based on their inheritance. And you see people that have a lot of assets in really ugly situations where they're sharing rooms and other things like that. So having the long-term care insurance takes the money decision away from your heirs, but also having an estate plan that spells out how you want to be cared for. You could put it in your trust, uh, directions to your successor trustee, but also make it known to all your family members. So you might have your son being your successor trustee, which means they step in if you're incapacitated and can't make your own decisions. But as a successor trustee, they have to abide by the trust. And if the other kids know what your requirements are and how you want to be cared for, then that'll, that's what will happen. You could stay in there. Okay. I'm going to spend all of my assets by staying in my own home and having care. So look at long-term care insurance. There's also some hybrid life insurance policies that wealthy people could take okay. a look at. That's CFP Chad Burton. You can meet him at Four Points by Sheraton in San Rafael, September 10th from 9 a.m. to noon. Sign up for the event at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. It's our only event in Marin. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. You can call the show at 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. For instance, the United States home prices rose modestly in June, pushed up by strong sales and limited supply of available properties. The, mm, I would say modestly is probably not that much of an up, but that's okay. We'll work with it. Um, the S&P CoreLogic Keyshiller Home Index released today. Increased 5.1% in June compared with a year ago. That's down from a 5.3% annual gain in May, and it's the slowest year-over-year pace since August, last August. Home values are still soaring in the Northwest, but have slowed more 
to more sustainable rates elsewhere in northeastern cities such as New York and Washington, D.C. They're rising roughly at the rate of inflation in Boston, less than 5%. Um, so that's worthy of note. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. In Portland, obviously double digits. Seattle, double digits. Denver, double digits. So the areas that have run so hot, like New York, San Francisco, Washington, D.C., are cooling compared to some mid-sized cities. The mid-sized cities are making making some hay. Let's bring in Tony Mendez, talk a little Bay Area real estate and uh, housing as a kind of a tie-in here. Joining me now... Mortgage lender, Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. One of the standards or one of the rules, I guess, tied towards getting a mortgage now is you have to be a quali- for it to be qualified. It can't be more than 43% of your debt-to-income ratio. Your right. debt-to-income ratio can't be greater than 43%. What does that mean? So in January 10, 2014, the part of the Dodd-Frank implementation was something called qualified mortgages. Basically, lenders uh, will get federal uh, legal protection against lawsuits if they follow the qualified mortgage rule ability to pay, repay rules, um, part of this um, this new law, uh, so to speak. And, um, and it, what it does is limits the borrower's ability to borrow over a certain amount of their debt. So that 43% basically represents all of your debt on a monthly basis. Okay. So if you make $10,000 a month, you can spend 4300 a month on all of your debt. It's interesting to note that when I was growing up, and I kind of hold these standards still to be fairly true, that you shouldn't spend more than 28 to 40% of your income on your housing. Right. Because taxes are going to take 15 to 20% of your income. Income tax is going to take another 10%. Social security tax is going to take 3 plus percent, 4 5%. It all adds up. And then you're left with how much can you really afford? It's somewhere between 28 and 40 percent. 40 percent, you're stretching yourself. 28 percent, you probably have a little bit more wiggle room in case you get in trouble and lose a job. I like rules like this because people could start saying, okay, there's my budget. If my budget is $100,000 a year, I can only afford 28 to 40,000. If that's what's coming in, that's what can go out towards housing. Right. That's the basic idea. Another one that I like, and you can tell me if this is true or not, is two and a half times your income is what you could afford in a house. So if you make $100,000 a year, you could afford $250,000. It's a basic rule. Again, it doesn't take into cases low interest rates and some other scenarios, but I like it. Um, it shows people what you should be in. Even though we all want a million-dollar house, we don't all make $400,000 a year. Right. So, and that's that 43% is the what they call the back-end ratio or all of your debt, and they do set limits on your front-end ratio, which is just the new housing debt. And, of course, they don't factor in things like they use gross income on W-2. So they don't factor in taxes and expenses of owning the house, maintenance, and so forth. So then the lenders are, are, are honoring this for the most part. There are ways you can go over the 43% if you have a strong credit package, like better credit score, a lot more equity. Oh, I have a strong a credit lot, package. Uh, you know, a good income, solid job, and the type of property. There's, so you put the credit package together and you go higher. So lenders are able to go over it currently. Mm-hmm. But it, you know, it's it's all about you know looking at the future of why you want to own this house, and you know, are you getting the good tax breaks? Is it working as far as you you know? Uh, are you going to have a kid? Do you have college to pay for, and so on? Another rule that I kind of like, and you can tell me this: you get a good rate at twenty percent down. 
You get an okay rate at 10%. Okay rate at 10%. Good rate at 20%. Great rate at 25%. Really great rate at 30%. Is there some truth to that statement that Absolutely. the more you put down, the better rate you get? Absolutely. And again, it's part of your whole credit package. And equity and credit scores oh, are... my credit package is good. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Finish your thought. Uh, it's all about your credit package. And equity is one of the, the, the better scenarios or the better factors that helps you get the lower rate and, and uh, better pricing for that rate. Uh, not only that, better equity also helps you qualify for certain types of loans and certain types of properties. Uh, if it's an investment property, you want to put 25% down as opposed to 20 uh, You get a huge t- uh, cr- uh, benefit in rate. But it's 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 your whole package, and and it also helps you avoid mortgage insurance. And it's not you can get a great rate with FHA. As a matter of fact, better than you can get under twenty five percent down conventional. But you have mortgage insurance, so it's a way of avoiding mortgage insurance as well and getting a good rate of return on the money you're putting into your house and making it work for you to the best of the ability. I was reading a home equity line of credit document. Did you know that banks typically put in language that they can cancel at any point of time? Absolutely. That has to be like shocking for some people because they don't expect that. They think I get a home equity line of credit. It's mine. I can do with it what I want, when I want, where I want, how I want. And you get a letter from the bank. There's no doubt that a lot of people back before 2007, 2008 did not read their note, their adjustable arm note, and they don't even know how they work. So it's important that you do understand those the terminology. Tony Mendez does a show here on KDOW every Thursday evening from 6 to 7 p.m. Listen to it. You'll learn a lot about one of the most important financial decisions you'll make in your life. You can find Tony Mendez at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. So one UBS analyst said today that he thinks the risk of a stock market crash is growing. He mentions the era of cheap money and cheap debt in particular, and plenty of liquidity is slowly drawing to an end. It's going to make it harder to use credit to juice corporate profits. As earnings fall, so will investors' confidence in stocks, leading to either a market crash or a correction, which is a slower and less violent drop in stock prices. UBS notes that 77% of stock crashes are driven by earnings announcements, and more companies are likely to disappoint the market in the future. His quote was on credit, We believe we are witnessing the end of the credit cycle. Earnings growth rates are flat, and the stock market impact has uh, been increasing. Importantly, from a risk perspective, systemic risk is rising, and economic policy uncertainty has hit an all-time high. Near the end of the expansion phase of a long-term debt cycle, typically uh, lasts about 50 to 75 years. He had me interested until he brought up 75-year projection. I think that's a bit aggressive. Anyway, Amazon's got a drone for $49.48. I think that's kind of going to be a hot gift item this year for the holidays. U.S. home prices gained in June. That's a big headline. Elsewhere out there, Lowe's has introduced a Lobot, a new autonomous in-store robot. I'll help you find that hammer. Good stuff. You can find me online at Rob Black Show. That's robblackshow.com. Don't forget, i got a big seminar coming up in Marin, not too far from now, on September 10th, Saturday from 9 to noon. All about retirement, wealth planning, and getting financially free. You can learn more by going to robblackshow.com.
Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Bring in Patrick O'Hare, briefing.com. I was a little panicked this morning. My work computer got updated to Windows 7, and I couldn't get to briefing.com. I finally figured out a workaround. Um, but I was panicked, Mr. O'Hare. How are you? Hey, Rob. I'm doing well, thank you. Sorry for that mix-up. It's quite okay. I, Google Chrome got me there. Internet Explorer would not. Don't know why. Probably something to do with cookies. Um, I subscribe to Briefing Professional. I think it's probably one of the best uh, at least top three uh, financial services out there. So it's uh, a comfort for me. But you are a big part of my morning. I read your uh, your opening bell, so to speak, your, your page one each and every morning. Uh, what's out there in the world right now? Well, thank you, Rob. Um, you know, if it puts you at ease at all, I, I could say probably you didn't miss much this morning, not getting into <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I, I say that in a general sense. There's obviously, you know, plenty of trading ideas on briefing.com, but from what I do, uh, just, you know, primarily the general market narrative, there, there hasn't been a lot of change here, um, uh, in the last few weeks. But, um, but yeah, so, you know, you have market that, uh, is just kind of like just trying to bide its time here, I think, until the next great catalyst. You know, last week, everyone was waiting on Fed Chair Yellen's speech. This week, uh, reportedly, everyone's waiting on the, the August employment report on Friday. Um, and you could clearly see yesterday in the extremely low trading volume at the NYSE um, that that vacation-like mentality, the wait-and-see mentality, the uh, mentality of indifference, if you will, uh, that is kind of leaving uh, a lot of people sidelined for the time being, and that's just uh, leading to some of these you know, seesaw moves are seen in the equity market right now. So some of the headlines out there today, if you were to search for them, obviously the big one's Apple. Mm-hmm. And the stock isn't really getting beaten up, and yet it seems like a pretty negative headline. Let's talk a little bit about that and give me your perspective. Well, yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's hanging in there reasonably well. It's probably a reflection of uh, the market's belief right now anyway that, uh, that Apple is not going to have to end up paying uh, uh, that um, uh, the tax, um, uh, or at least not in its entirety, uh, once it appeals the decision, and uh, and then at the same time, I think people realize, you know, Apple clearly has the money uh, to pay the tax and then some, if it's so, if it was ultimately put into that position. But um, but in a situation like this, where you get a ruling out of out of Europe that you know basically says, hey, Apple, you owe fourteen and a half billion dollars in back taxes plus interest. And, you know, you look for how the, how the stock is going to do, and as you allude to, it's not really reacting terribly negative. Um, <laughs> you know, for someone like me who's a market analyst, you know, all I can take from that is, is essentially that there's not a lot of fear uh, built up, you know, or related to this particular piece of news. Because uh, the market, I think, is, uh, would be more, um, Efficient in its uh, discounting, if, if if it really felt like there was something more to this, uh, if it was as bad as the headline suggests right now. So the headline risk already built in. Let's flip that a little bit, maybe, and say the U.S. markets recently hitting record highs. There's a lot of good news out there. The auto sales are still pretty good. The housing numbers are still pretty good. 
Um, are we at fear of the opposite, where all the good news is already out there? So once maybe some bad news comes, maybe that'll be our our sell signal finally. Maybe that'll be the the correction or the the bear the start of a bear market. Well. Um Maybe. <laughs> I don't mean to. The, the, the news uh, can't know. get much better, can it? Yeah, well, you know, things can get much better uh, because things have been just so uh, ordinary uh, for so long here in terms of where the okay. economy has been, right? Um, we've had subpar growth for, for many years now, and that's driven in large part by the fact that, you know, consumers have not been spending as aggressively, and that's starting to, you know, looks like you're starting to see some green shoots of optimism on that front. But importantly, businesses aren't really doing much investing either. And I think that uh, if you can get, you know, a um, stronger level of, of personal spending growth, you maybe start seeing businesses uh, get a little bit more aggressive on their expenditures, and then all of a sudden you do have an economy that's growing 3% plus rate. So, I, I would say that there is still plenty of room for improvement as it relates to what the economy can do and certainly what earnings can do. I mean, let's not forget we're coming off of, I think, the fifth straight quarter here where, you know, quarterly earnings for the S&P 500 have been negative on a year-over-year basis. So so there's ample room for improvement there, or so one would think, based on a track record like that as the comparisons get a little bit easier. But I think a lot of that is ultimately going to still be hinged on what happens with interest rates. Uh, and, you know, if interest rates stay down, then I think the market can continue to find support here. But uh, if interest rates go up, and we've talked about this before, if they go up quickly, uh, that's not such a good thing for the market. If they go up in a measured manner, because there's greater confidence in the economic outlook, uh, that's a better thing for the equity market. Um, so, uh, and I think some of what we're seeing going on here was sort of just this churning action. Is a lot of waiting to see, uh, you know, what ultimately does happen with interest rates and why. Some of the news in your page one, it's kind of random today. It seems to be all over the place. Mondelez not going to pursue Hershey which is weird because they talked for a long, 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 long time, and then it just fell apart on price. It's like, why didn't you figure out how to get closer on that? And anyway, um, Southwest has got to deal with their pilots. Um, G3 Apparel down big after missing expectations. Um, I think that's the one that's probably jumping out most at me today because the apparel group and the retail group has really been some home runs and some strikeouts. It's not consistent, so consumers aren't being consistently you know, throwing our money at retail. Uh, is that the message you're seeing? I think that that's, that's a fair assessment, Rob. Um, you know, the okay. apparel sector in particular has been, you know, really a challenging space. Um, and, uh, it, and it, you know, it could be a secular dynamic there where you, you see just the, you know, the, the rise of online competition. But, but really, you know, uh, you know, fashion like, I mean, it's a really fickle industry because, you know, consumers' tastes change so often. And uh, and what we have in front of us right now is, is a market where, uh, you know, low price seems to win. And so it's really difficult uh, for a lot of these apparel companies, you know, to, to gain any semblance of pricing power. Uh, and so it's showing up in their bottom line and and it's uh, it's reflected in their commentary and um, and so it could take a while, and you know, to kind of like, uh, you know, weed out some of these 
nuclear companies. That's not to suggest G3 apparel is necessarily. It's, it's having a bad day, obviously, today. But um, but in any event, uh, it's a tough space, and so you really need to be careful about where you're picking and choosing in that respective industry. Yeah, and I kind of feel Walmart starting to do very similar to what the apparel industry is doing, where they're just lowering prices so aggressively. It's tough for companies like Target to compete um, without lowering the prices, and then you've got the new wages, and that's keeping employees a little bit stickier. And then Walmart's getting aggressive with uh, the internet by buying Jet.com, and uh, it does seem like the way to win right now, if you're a retailer, is to lower prices. But that's not the way to win long term, and there's certainly an, a rush to zero again with no earnings, right? Well, right. I mean, you know, of course, though, if you have the war chest that you know Walmart does, uh, then you might better use it, you know, uh, in terms of uh, trying to defend your market share and even pick up market share. And and it was interesting to see that, you know, the dollar stores uh, companies, which have been, you know, some of the hottest stocks going, you know, got reined in pretty good last week uh, after reports from Dollar General and Dollar Tree. Um, and part of that was related to the to the resurgence of Walmart, really, um, as more of a, of a one-stop shop, you know, including groceries and drugs and all of the other uh, normal consumables that uh, that are, you know, you might find at those dollar stores. But um, you know, Walmart, I think, strategically is doing the right things. Uh, you can't just lay back and let you know someone like Amazon just you know roll right over you. Um, and they've made the investments that are necessary in both their employees and in their technology and um, and in their stores, I think, to, to defend their turf and to make sure that they are going to be, you know, a, a retail giant, you know, uh, for the long term and not just, uh, you know, a, a retailer of size that's, you know, seen its best days behind it. So it's definitely making some good, I think, strategic moves right now. Anything else that you're working on, Mr. O'Hare, that will be published down the road? Anything that you're finding interesting? Anything maybe that we didn't get to in the past? It's yeah. a softball question for you to give us your yeah. brains. Right. I, well, I, you know, kind of at the top of the interview, we alluded to how the market's just waiting to see what this employment report brings us on Friday. I am, too, okay. uh, primarily because we know it's going to have implications for Fed policy. Uh, we heard that out of Jackson Hole. So I'm anxious to see what we get in terms of non-farm payrolls, but more importantly, what we see, I think, in terms of average hourly earnings growth. Because um, uh, if you get another good number there, I think that it then the case for a rate hike in September uh, gets solidified and, and that the Fed will indeed move in September. Sounds good. Thanks for your help today, Mr. Yeah, O'Hare. You. Thank you. Um, briefing.com, obviously, a great source of information. I promise you I endorse it without getting paid. It's... Uh, something I uh, have high respect for, the content that comes out of that group. You can find out more at briefing.com. That's briefing.com. Keep in mind, i got an event coming up in Marin in San Rafael, uh, September 10th, Retirement and Wealth Planning uh, event. You can sign up at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Twitter me at robblackshow. Uh, but you can sign up for the event in Marin, September 10th, on Retirement on creating wealth, on preserving wealth, and much, much more. Sign up at robblackshow.com.
Black now. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Thanks for listening to the show. I don't promise to always be right. I don't promise you a million dollars instantly. I'm not going to tell you this is the best investment you'll ever make. I'm not going to you know, say that things are rosy out there. I'm going to do my best to get you to retirement. And sometimes that's going to sound different. And sometimes it's going to look and feel a little different. And that's a normal and healthy thing, and I hope you see that. I'm not going to tell you to go buy real estate in Dallas or Austin or Memphis. Um, I do like the mid-sized cities like Austin, Denver, and Memphis and Raleigh, but that's tough. And pulling it off if you have a full-time job or you're barely getting by, um, not the easiest and or smartest thing. You can get into a lot of financial trouble biting off more than you can chew. Again, I'm not insulting you when I say that. I'm just cautioning you. I have a wonderful scenario where I've got a couple rental properties. One of them is an office that I personally use. Um, And that's tough to lose in that scenario. Um, Which is a good thing, in my opinion. Uh, I pay myself rent. So when I need need a new paint or bug extermination, I go, sure. Sure. I also have a rental property where uh, it's out of state and it's in a college town. I feel really comfortable with the property management company. But I pay that property management company 8%, which is a lot. It's not a lot, but it's not a lot for property management. Uh, sometimes if you buy a place like Tahoe or Santa Barbara, property management would be 30%. Uh, but you'll also have, you know, fills. The vacancy will be a lot less. But the one in, that I have in a college town, it, it's, it's lovely because uh, a tenant can ask for something. I'm like, fix it. I kind of have the, the, the leeway that I don't have to be a slumlord, and that's kind of nice. Apple's going to have to pay $14.5 billion in back taxes to Ireland. Apple probably won't end up paying all of its massive tax bill. Um, Apple and Ireland sat down many years ago and said, we'll do this and you'll do that. We'll do this and you'll do that. And now Ireland's trying to go, not Ireland, but the EU's trying to say, no, 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 no. So we'll see. Lowe's is doing something that's going to be, I think, I'm not going to say a game changer, but again, it's it's kind of a reminder that uh, one of the jokes, or well, not one of the jokes, but one of the insights will financial people will often say is like, hey, in retirement, maybe you'll want to get a job at Home Depot and be a greeter. Or, hey, where are hammers? Ah, aisle 13. Just anything to keep your body moving and to keep a little bit of a paycheck coming in. But I can see two of the retiree jobs completely going away. One being a security guard and one being like a greeter. Um, Lowe's is introducing Lobot in San Francisco stores this fall. So it's going to be in 11 stores. Um, Lowe's says it's a response to things people wanted since retail began. But up until now, there just wasn't enough technology to make it happen. The robots made by fellow robots use a 3D scanner to detect people as they come into stores. Shoppers can search for items by asking the bot for what they want or typing items into the touchscreen. 
the bot can guide them to those items using smart laser sensors, similar to the technology used in autonomous vehicles. Uh, as the customers follow the bots to find items on the store shelves, location-based special offers show up on the second screen on the back of the Lobot. So you go in, you go, I need a hammer. He's like, aisle 13, I'll walk you. And as you're at aisle 10, he's like, hey, look over there. There's some fertilizer for on sale for 5% off. And you're like, shut up, robot. Shut up. But that's a job. That's a job going away. Um, it scans shelves using RFID technology and smart sensors to send up to date information to store associates. It'll be great at inventory. It never calls out sick. It doesn't take coffee breaks. It's tough to argue that this is going to take away jobs. That's not going to. Um, I think it will. Brand drugs versus generic drugs. I want to talk about this for just a moment. Um, it's like there's a gas station in California called Rotten Robbie's. And California's got an environmental agency that says gasoline formulations have to hit this recipe. And every gas station has to legally hit that recipe. Now, some of them will make it even better. Some of them will add in nutrients to make your car run faster, faster, faster. Um, but the minimum is all you need. And same thing kind of goes with the generics. You don't have to pay for the Exxon or the, the, the high the companies that do all the advertising. Generic gas is just as good as brand gas. Uh, it's got enough to power your car. Now, generic drugs versus brand drugs. Uh, we've been marketed so well that we're like, go get me Tylenol. Go get me Aleve. And there's an active ingredient in Tylenol, an active ingredient in Tylenol that's generic. And the generic is sometimes 50 to 70% off. I highly recommend generics over brand name drugs. Um, we've hit a controversy in the United States where the EpiPen, you know, got price gouged up, price gouged up, price gouged up. And then, oh, we'll come out with a generic version of it. Go with a generic. It may not have as nice packaging. It may not have a hot movie star. Rob Lowe loves the high-end EpiPen. Rob Black likes the the, the generic EpiPen. Uh, he's much better looking than me. So, Chipotle's giving away free kids' meals on Sundays in September. Woohoo! You can find out more about me at robblackshow.com. Come to a seminar, come to an event, Retirement and Wealth Planning in San Rafael, September 10th. You can sign up at robblackshow.com. The Four Points by Sheraton San Rafael. Uh, I'm going to go over how to create wealth. Chad's going to go over how to protect wealth and a lot in between. It's an all-ages style show. You can find out more at robblackshow.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.